This podcast is of licensed mental health professionals linking pop culture to psychology. The information presented in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used in place of mental health treatment or other services. All our opinions are our own. All right. My name is Cassidy Russell along with Abby Ronquillo and Katie Bussey. And we are Therapy for Nerds. Today's topic, video games, mental health, and the pandemic. So, Katie, you were talking about this paper that you wrote back in grad school, and it sounded pretty interesting. Would you like to start off? Yeah, sure. I'll give the disclaimer. This was back in grad school, so my information might have updated a little bit in this meantime. But based on what I recall from um, this paper is... Well, to to introduce the paper, it was really designed to be exploring gamer identity um, and how people form that identity and what factors impact that. Um, And one of the things that came up for me recently and I feel like is really relevant to the times right now is the idea of gaming and it being really a social setting a lot of times. Because, I mean, how often do people play online. If it's not online, it's a co-op game, or it could be like an MMO. There's so many different settings in which we're playing. And, you know, the idea is, is this really a social setting too? Mm -hmm. I think that's huge, especially since The Who went from, I think just last year, declaring like video game addiction an issue to Mm -hmm. the beginning of this pandemic saying that playing video games can be healthy, especially for social development. So I think that's really interesting how this pandemic has really switched people's perspectives on video games and it being more of a social activity. Yeah, and I, I think it was interesting because like I said, this article was from a while ago and it's it's really interesting to see how it's become more mainstream, the concept of it being a social environment and it, it being a really positive enjoyable activity not like oh you you play games like that's oh don't do that go out go play with other people kind of thing (laughs) and i I think there's such a a new view a new lens on it these days yeah i have to agree with that because i do remember probably like towards the middle of the pandemic probably april may um, a lot of these like government regulated websites were trying to give um, some support and, and different recommendations for things that you could do during the pandemic to stay social, stay active, um, you know, mental health awareness. And one of those things being, you know, playing video games and um, play, uh, doing activities on the internet with friends. And I just thought it's so ironic, you know, these same government entities that I don't know, maybe even a couple of months prior to that being like, don't play too many video games. It's bad for your eyes. And and all this now saying the opposite. So different different times really in different contexts really bring for a different need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because it was almost seen as like unhealthy, like it's too sedentary, you should do other things. And I, I really wonder like, had we not gone into this pandemic, would we be at this place right now where we're seeing it as this more positive activity for people mm-hmm. to do? I really don't think we would have been um, just because video games have been so demonized for so long. And I think that was slowly changing. Um, I think we're a pretty good indicator of that, all being licensed professionals that also play games. And there's a lot more 
uh, clinicians that play games that are getting licensed and starting to be really vocal. I mean, I have this lovely book right here. Yes, I kept it right under the computer <laughs> for easy access. Uh, Moral Combat that I finished during the pandemic and I have a lot of annotations throughout it. That And it's all about the war on video games and why the war on violent video games is wrong. Um, that it's it catalogs that basically since the beginning of video games, there's been this controversy. So it's been decades of this controversy and it's only just, it was starting to switch, but I think the pandemic really um, like put the foot on the gas for that. I, I definitely feel like there's like almost like even a different um, category of games where it was like socially acceptable or like the games that were marketed towards this different demographic because I can remember, I don't know, when was it, like 2008, 2009, when the whole Facebook, Farmville, Candy Crush, all that kind of came out. And it was like more, I feel like older people, older generations were playing those games and like, you know, hear, hear parents telling their kids, hey, don't play video games, you know, you're that's not good for you, but they would be spending hours and lots of money to like, level up on Candy Crush, so it's kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> you're sending mixed messages to your children, but okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting, because I, I believe I've heard at some point that some of the biggest consumers of video games are actually people who are doing mobile games. Like, the demographic, it's not like the young teenagers that we expect, it's actually like older adults who are playing mobile games are actually the big, largest demographic playing games. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and now... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Nancy. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think I remember seeing a study that, like, middle-aged women are actually playing the mm -hmm. most video games, and yeah. it's not the stereotypical thing, but, yeah, sure, they're playing Bejeweled, but does that really make them that much less of a gamer than anyone else? They're still playing games. Yeah, and I, I think part of it also is, is kind of the identification of yourself as a gamer. And I think that in itself, while some people who identify as that find it to be like a source of pride, it's an, like an identity, it's a way of relating to other people. And then you have the other group that may be engaging in similar activities, but push away from it. I don't wanna be associated with that. Um, and I think that can lead to a lot of confusion because playing games doesn't necessarily mean someone identifies with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to what Cassie was saying because there's such a like a negative connotation with it. Almost like I think if you think back to like 1980s when like the movie Revenge of the Nerds came out, like the term nerd was such a bad or like negative thing. And then I think maybe late 90s, early 2000s, the term nerd was actually cool or like people were okay with us. It became normalized. And I think now we're coming into the where gaming is actually kind of cool and kind of more socially accepted. So maybe not for like those older generations or like you said mid uh, mid middle age women uh, playing games I don't know if they like would identify with that term but I think it's becoming a little bit more socially acceptable to like call yourself a gamer mm -hmm. um, but I think you're right Katie it is like a huge thing to be adapted to that culture or like to to identify yourself as a part of of the culture yeah and it's it's really I think highlights a different a different way of approaching things because I know even like we said like the demographics of people really impact whether or not they feel comfortable even associating with that mm -hmm. um, and you know I, I wonder like going forward how that's going to shift because as we said we've seen so many more people getting into games and even people who 
almost don't admit that they're playing games are playing games. Um, and I, I wonder how that's going to shift over time. And like we were saying at the beginning here of when we're in a literal pandemic and people are saying, hey, actually maybe playing video games are a good thing. Yeah, I mean, video games have been demonized by politicians for so long. And now we have politicians that are live streaming and becoming like super high up on the leaderboards when it comes to being Twitch streamers. That's insane. If you had told me that 10 years ago, when they were trying to pass legislation to limit vi video game sales, I would not have believed you. Yeah, and I, I think like what you were saying earlier, I thought it was very interesting that it was even called like a war, like a war on video games. I, I feel like that has such a strong kind of violent negative implication. I think it's so interesting too that like, especially like you said, like politicians and like the government had this like hyper focus almost on like um, violent video games and stuff when, I mean, not to get too political, but you know, look at what was happening outside externally of video games. Like, you know, there were a lot of wars in the early 2000s and stuff happening globally um, and other things that were happening. And it's like, I don't know what the hyper focus was on the video games when it was kind of mirroring what was happening in the real world. That's a very good point. We've definitely grown up in a time where there's been a lot of violence. Yeah, and I, I also think similarly, like if we kind of lump video games into the world of media, think about the news, think about the violence we get exposed to through that format. And that's publicly broadcast a lot of times. And I think it's interesting the approach that's historically been taken towards video games, giving what content we're, we're given through news uh, kind of avenues. Especially with like mass shooters and them actually publishing the names of the mass shooters and going in like whenever a mass shooting happens there's this whole media blitz and broadcast of the name and reasons why and they often cite video games as a reason why but they don't talk about how this glorification that happens through saying that person's name and giving them all this media attention that can seem like a great thing to some people it's a really weird thing to say <laughs> But it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for some people, they identify that way. And I think it, it really kind of speaks to the, you know, like how we began the conversation of like the perspective of how video games, like same thing we could say about video games, like it's just about perspective and how you identify with it. Yeah, and I, I wonder, I know we've been talking a lot about the kind of historical societal negative views of video games, but I wonder what do we like? What do we feel like is going to come of it in this pandemic? Because I know we've heard now it's a recommendation. It connects us. It's social. It's enjoyable. What are maybe some of the benefits that we've been seeing of how video games are positively supporting people through these times? Did you want to go first, Abby, or should I? I'm still thinking, so you can go first. <laughs> okay. Um, I I definitely feel that, especially with my my teenage clients. It has been a good source of having people to talk to and, and being able to have still have some sort of social aspects. It's not it's not enough for a lot of my clients, and it. I think we were we were talking last week about it being kind of a chore, uh, and there's no there's no recording available for last week. It was just us talking. 
but it just definitely it's interesting how video games have become kind of a lifeline for a lot of clients right now and needing to have something to do to fill their time because a lot of them have a lot of time uh, and that's except for all my clients that are doing school for 10 hours a day a lot of teachers seem to think that that's an appropriate amount of work it is not <laughs> i don't care how old the kid is 10 hours a day is not an appropriate amount of work yeah i think socialization definitely is a big part of it and you know with technology now um the way it is uh, it's become a lot easier for um for games to be a way to interact you know with uh, online co-op and you know uh, friend codes and, and different um, avenues for you to play with your friends and also you know make friends as well you know through kind of just playing with random people online and, and all that but I also think it it provides an opportunity for you to do like teamwork or like do things together or work for a common goal with somebody um, a lot of these games that my clients and, and friends I know too play together, they're doing things, you know, in union mm -hmm. for something, some kind of common goal. And I feel like it's almost like giving them hope for something or like something to look forward to. And I think especially during the pandemic with all this uncertainty, it's kind of giving them something to, to look forward to and to think like, okay, there's something to like, I'm going to go to sleep right now, but tomorrow there's something waiting for me, something that I can do. And something I'll be proactive about, something I can control. Um, so that's really nice. Um, but I think that in the real world, sometimes we don't feel like we have that kind of sense of control. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hear how, like, I think you touched on so many great points of like, there, it gives us something to look forward to, something that's certain, that makes sense, that's familiar, that's comfortable, that we have control over. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think like really when this pandemic started, I, I wonder if that's not why Animal Crossing blew up so much, because here it was, we had this literal island escape from the world of the pandemic we were living in, and how great of an opportunity we could be with our friends. We, you know, it was very familiar. There wasn't much ex unexpected things happening, and how comforting that must have been for so many people. Yeah, and you have complete control over that island, and you can do whatever you want with it especially with the terraforming feature once you got a hold of it 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 definitely was freeing for to a point um i did a video on my thoughts about it being the perfect game for the pandemic um but i definitely felt after a little while when it start it started to feel stagnant and then i katie you touched on this last week of it starting to feel like a second job <laughs> And I could totally see that because after you kind of make it your own, then it's like, well, what else? And you see all these other people's beautiful islands and you're like, oh, I should have done that. Oh, mine could look so much better. And then I remember getting, just feeling really stuck and feeling in a place where even the thought of having to redo my island because it wasn't good enough made me not want to pick it up for like a month or two. How similar does that kind of sound to like social media in a lot of ways where you, you're comparing your own creations to those of other people and being like, oh man, they're doing so much better. What's, what's going on with me? And 
I feel like there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that, Katie, because, you know, I think a lot, there was like, obviously, the, just like a very um, natural connection of social media to Animal Crossing. Like I joined a bunch of Instagram pages and Facebook pages where I would get inspiration for my island through through social media. And um, that's where I felt a lot, personally, a lot of my comparisons were from like, wow, this person was so creative where they did their island or like this person so far ahead in the game. Uh, this person put so many hours in their game. And that's where I felt a lot of what, what Cassie was expressing. And, you know, there's so much crossover, not only in Animal Crossing, but a lot of games in regards to social media. I, you know, there's so much utilization that um, other websites, right, like Twitch, uh, Discord, um, other apps that people use to combine the, the love of games or the game culture with um, other websites, YouTube, you know, and like Facebook, Facebook even has their own like gaming, I don't I actually don't know if it's still alive, but they had like a, a gaming page. Uh, for a while so it's kind of interesting how like nothing is separate now everything is all enmeshed Mm -hmm. and how that plays into our mental health and how that like impacts you as a person Mm -hmm. it's 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 it's, i don't even think it's that subtle anymore Mm -hmm. yeah there's a huge integration of it into so many areas of our life and I think back on like the first Animal Crossing and you did, a, you got a lot to customize and I remember playing it a lot with my sister, but it, it's definitely a much different feel now. And the only person that I would really compare my little town to would be my cousin. That, that's it. <laughs> like that, that's the only other person I knew that played and we would like visit and we made multiple towns so that we could make sure to get the fruit. Rossetti yelled at us and my sister and I, I think we cried, <laughs> but it, and then you, now you have all these methods of comparing your island that you have even more customization and that comparison can really be off-putting to the game. Mm-hmm. I think like when we talk about like the negative, con- negative impacts that games have in regards to like violence or like Mm -hmm. all those things that um, maybe in the book that you read um, discusses I think one of of the bigger ones that we're not looking at is comparison right and how it impacts your mental health in regards to Mm -hmm. your your uh, self-worth right Mm -hmm. oh my friend's score is higher than me Um, I can't play with my friends because they're at gold and I'm only at silver or, um, you know, I'm not as good as, at this game as other people. Um, I tend to hear that a lot more than I hear it like, this person's becoming violent because of this game, or this is this game makes me angry. Like I'm, I'm becoming physically violent because of this game. And I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's just a video game problem because I, I can imagine that that could carry over to physical games, right? Like soccer or basketball or uh, sports or, crafts or some other type of anything isn't I think that's just part of human nature but we tend to like you said um demonize demonize or like make video games not a good thing yeah yeah that I'm more interested in learning more about that and how comparison can affect people's mental health and I also would be more interested in more research on things like loot boxes 
because we've done a lot of research trying to connect violent video games to real life violence. And we've, there's been nothing that's come out of that research. And we spend so much money as a society trying to prove this link that if was there, we would have proven by now. So we should spend that money elsewhere. And I would definitely much rather see that link between the comparison and mental health or the loot box problem, which is gambling. Like, let's be real, it's gambling. Yeah, and you know, I think we've kind of touched on this before, but the idea of video games are really still kind of like new and uncharted territory for a lot of people and, and maybe a lot of political systems. And, you know, I, I think there's also the, the difference between like how much intervention do we want in these places? How much awareness do we have? How much research are we really doing about these things too? And it, it'd be interesting to see like how much of that is being done if there, there are people looking at these things or if we're still, you know, in those early stages of learning and figuring it out. I definitely think we're still in the early phases. I mean, video games haven't been around for too long in the grand scheme of things. And the research on it has never, up until now, like I think we're starting to get more researchers that have played games and really understand it. But a lot of the early research was done by people that had never played games. So they didn't understand what it was that they were looking for or how it was the game even worked. And a lot of the times when they were doing research, what they were really finding was levels of frustration and how more complicated games caused higher levels of frustration because the people, the subjects, weren't understanding how to play. And if they understood how to play, then they were fine. Could be something that could be said about most activities, is if you don't know how to do them, they're going to be pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to knit. I would, I would find that very frustrating at starting out. Well, I think, I think all of this is very interesting because I think it shows that we're, we're really at like kind of a turning point within this culture and within games and its impact on society because we know that there's a movement towards it, it being more of a positive outlet, a more positive activity. Um, but this, the research isn't quite there yet. And it has been done over the years. But like we said, is sometimes the research is done on do video games people don't know how to play make them frustrated. And it's like, okay, let's expand. <laughs> That's a great start. Let's keep expanding. Let's keep learning more. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm weary of it because I, I feel like in the pandemic, just in general, I mean, not even just with video games, but a lot of things, we're going to see a lot of change come out of this and a lot of unfortunately negative things come out of it and I feel like maybe video games will be on the losing end of this just because you know we all know too much too much of anything is a bad thing Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are going to have a lot of negative side effects from overuse of technology Uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that video games might be looped in there and uh, you know there might be some statistics that come out of it of depression and anxiety or some Mm -hmm. other mental health stuff or maybe even physical stuff uh, from too much usage of technology over the past going on eight months and plus, you know, so I'm, I'm, I want to be optimistic about it and hope that we are going to to this trend of like video games are going in a positive place. But I also know that, you know, there's a chance that that maybe we're just not there yet. Um, 
but hopefully, you know, I hope that one day that people will see that it can be utilized, just like anything else, you know, technology can be utilized prop if, if utilized properly, it's a good thing. Yeah, you make a really strong point. I've, I've been thinking about how we'll never know the exact impact of the pandemic because we don't have a, what's that called? A, baseline. Yeah, we don't have a baseline. We don't have a different population to like test and see what their outcomes are. It, it's, so we'll never know the full extent of the, the full impact of the pandemic on this population, on all of us, but it is going to have a lasting impact, I think for decades to come. Yeah, and I, I think that's so true is steps and like progress can be transitory at times. It isn't always just like, all right, well, we accepted video games. It's all great going forward. Um, and it, and like, I, I think Abby, what you're saying is just when, like as that research is done, the negative pieces can come out, the overuse, the um, maybe excessive use of coping or avoidance that can be utilized from these sources as well. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see like how society responds to that when both sides of this information start coming in and we're examining it. And maybe that may also be an opportunity for, uh, you know, mental health providers to be able to step in and have more awareness of these avenues and integrate it more into their practices um, to really meet people where they're at as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely interesting to, to think about where, where things are going and what it's going to look like. I, I personally do think that video games will become at least less demonized in the future, especially as people that grew up playing video games get into those positions of power. We're starting to get there. We're not quite there yet. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Thank you for listening to Therapy for Nerds. If you liked this episode, hit that like button, subscribe, comment, and check out the links to our social medias where you'll be sure to get all of the latest Therapy for Nerds information. And be kind to yourselves this week.